Hello, and welcome to this new episode of the World Leather Podcast. It's great to be with you again. In this episode, we are going to give some insight into the way the global leather industry has been affected so far by the coronavirus outbreak. I'm Sherry Shallard, Associate Editor of World Leather, and I'm going to be joined in this discussion by Technical Editor Matt Abbott and by Editor Stephen Tierney. First, we want to make it clear that we understand the situation around the coronavirus to be fast-moving. It's difficult to predict what is going to happen in the next few days, let alone weeks or months. We're not setting out here to provide any answers to questions about what the long-term impact of the virus might be on the leather industry. It's impossible to know. All we want to do is share with listeners what we do know to have happened so far in some of the important leather manufacturing centers around the world, particularly those that have been affected by the coronavirus disease 2019, also known as COVID-19. We have some insights from China, from Italy, and from Spain. And because on March 11th, the World Health Organization declared the outbreak to be a pandemic, which means there's sustained transmission in lots of countries around the world now, it seems clear that leather manufacturers in other countries are going to be facing similar challenges soon. Governments in many countries are already closing schools and colleges and asking people to work from home in a bid to slow the spread of COVID-19 by encouraging social distancing. That's fine for those of us who work at a computer all day, but Matt Abbott, who spent years working in a tannery before joining the World Leather team, has some doubts about how remote working can apply in the manufacturing sector in general and in the leather industry in particular. We'll hear from Matt later on. Let's start with Stephen. Hi, Stephen. Hi, Shadi. It's great to be with you. Stephen, when did news of the coronavirus first start to come up in leather circles? And what were some of the first items we reported about it? The answer is the end of January. Our first news story about this on Leatherbiz was on January the 29th. And that was a report of fears among luxury brands that their share prices might be affected. The coronavirus was first detected in Wuhan in China in November 2019 but it was at the end of that first month of 2020 that we began to write about it. The stock prices uh, news piece on the 29th was followed quickly by a series of stories from the organisers of the APLF exhibition in Hong Kong in the build-up to their decision in the end to postpone that show from the original dates at the end of March to new dates at the start of June. They had hinted at it at the end of January, but it was the 10th of February before they made the official announcement of the postponement. At that time, as you know, China had been on holiday for the Lunar New Year, which fell around January the 25th this year. So most manufacturing companies, most people, most most of China was on holiday for a lengthy period over that time. And it was only really when people were due to come back to work after the New Year holiday and weren't able to because of restrictions that the authorities began to put in place that we realised that this was having an effect on the way people live and on the way people work. In terms of how this was affecting Thanos, we received notification from Prime Asia 
that it had restarted operations at its tannery in Wangjiang in Guangdong province in China on February the 10th after that prolonged period of inaction following first the Lunar New Year holiday and then the restrictions imposed because of the coronavirus outbreak. By February the 17th, Prime Minister said it was expecting to be able to operate at close to 80% of capacity at that tannery in China. By March 2nd, Prime Minister had returned to 100% of capacity at its tannery in Wangjiang. But by then, of course, the coronavirus had begun to spread quite quickly in many other parts of the world. And for that reason, um, at exactly the same time, Prime Minister said it was placing a formal ban on what it called non-essential international travel to mitigate the risk of exposing the company's employees to the coronavirus. I suppose Prime Minister had had experience of the disruption that the virus could cause and it was taking its own measures at that point to try to slow the process to try to halt it. Another of the big international tanning groups, ISA Tantec, also received permission from the authorities to reopen at least partly its Chinese tannery, which is in Heshan, also in Guangdong province, on February the 10th. And that was with safety protocols in, in place. And those precautions included taking regular temperature checks on all the people who work there, mask protection, disinfection of the facilities, and quite a strict restriction on, on visitors. By March the 10th, the Isatantec tannery at Heshan was working at full capacity again too, following that delayed return to production after the holiday and because of the coronavirus outbreak. Right, thank you. And after China, one of the countries that soon began to command a lot of headlines was Italy. How can you sum up what has happened there? Well, I would say it's been a remarkable few weeks for Italy. It started around the time of the exhibitions in Milan for Linea Pelle for finished leather, Tanning Tech for tanning machinery, and CMAC for footwear machinery. They started in Milan on the 19th of February, and there were concerns about the coronavirus in evidence at the show, but in fact, these referred to concerns that visitor numbers would be down because people from Asia, in particular from China, wouldn't travel to Milan in the same numbers as they usually do. By the time the exhibitions ended, which was February the 21st, Italy had begun to report its first cases and that situation developed over that weekend because the last day of the events was a Friday. Over the following weekend and then over the following week, we began to receive graver and graver news about the multiplication of cases, about towns going into lockdown. And then at the end of that week, Italy's Association of Leather Chemists announced that it was postponing a convention in Lombardy. Soon after that, in the first week in March, the National Leather Industry Association, UNIC, issued a statement in which it estimated that the effects of the coronavirus outbreak 
could lead to a reduction in the combined turnover of Italian tanners of around 10% this year. UNIC calculates that the combined annual turnover of the 1,200 companies that are currently active in the Italian leather manufacturing sector to be 5 billion euro. The estimate of 10% reduction on that, which may even have increased since the situation became more difficult, especially in Italy, would mean that it, the global coronavirus outbreak could cost Italian tanners 500 million euro. The next phase was that the Italian government imposed a lockdown on cities, towns and villages, the length and breadth of the whole country. On March the 10th, UNIC President Gianni Russo issued a statement in which he thanked leather industry workers, machinery and chemical suppliers, laboratory technicians, designers, customers and industry institutions for their support of the leather industry and he said that he was confident that the energy and the courage of Italian tanners would see them through. Thank you, Stephen. And finally, we've had news just this week from Spain. What are you hearing from our friends in the leather industry there? Yes, when you said at the beginning of this conversation that it's hard to predict what's going to happen in the next few days, it made me think of Spain in some ways because it's been an incredible week on the 15th of March the health ministry in Spain put the total number of uh, confirmed cases of COVID-19 in the country at 7,753 and the number of deaths at 288 but a week earlier no one would have imagined that the figures could escalate as quickly as that and to that extent but that's what's happened. What has happened in the leather-making town of Igualada in Catalonia is perhaps a good example of how quickly things can change. The town has around 37 tanneries out of Spain's total of 98, so that gives an indication of how important it is in the context of leather manufacturing in Spain, in Europe, possibly in the world. It's an ancient tradition there. Uh, the local historians date the origins of the leather industry in Igualada to the year 1079. The authorities in Igualada reported an outbreak of the coronavirus on March the 11th. They confirmed that 20 people in the local area had tested positive. There were extra concerns though because Eight of those confirmed cases were among medical professionals working at the Igualada Hospital. Now, the following day, March the 12th, the Spanish Leather Industry Association, ASEXPIEL, said that tanneries in the area around Igualada were continuing to produce leather in spite of the outbreak of the coronavirus. That day too, the A3 Leather Innovation Centre, which is part of the University of Lleida, which teaches courses in leather research and innovation in Igualada, opened as normal. We spoke later that same day to one of the tunnels in Igualada and the person we spoke to confirmed what ASEXPL had said. The person said that there were no positive cases among the workers at that tannery and that the company had been able to keep production going 
with of course the necessary hygiene precautions in place. Within just a couple of hours of that, however, people living in the town received the news that between nine o'clock that evening, we're talking about March the 12th still, and midnight, only those who could prove that their home addresses were outside the area would be allowed to leave and that after midnight no one would be allowed to leave, nor would anyone be allowed to come into Igualada. There's now a state of emergency across the whole country and practically the whole of Spain is in lockdown, but Igualada was one of the first parts of Spain to experience that and of course that that is going to affect leather production. All right. Well, thank you very much for sharing those points of view. It's a pleasure. I just wish we had a more positive topic to talk about. Now we turn to Matt. Lots of governments, including those in Ireland, Portugal, Denmark, and the Netherlands, have asked anyone who can work remotely to do so. Matt, hello. What's your reaction to this? How can this apply to leather manufacturing? We've been hearing for some years about technology that allows tanners to control at least some of their processes remotely. Is that enough to allow them to keep the drums turning in these difficult times? Yeah, tanners in remote working. That's an interesting question. Whilst the request to self-isolate is probably the most sensible choice to try and slow down the spread of the coronavirus, social distancing just isn't a practical option for the manufacturing industries, especially the leather industry. In fact, I would hazard a guess to say that it's an industry that has the widest range of technology in use, from pure and simple manpower for all operations through to almost full automation. While some of the most advanced tanneries will have a very high level of automation, the interaction between a technician and the process includes various stages that just can't be replicated or completed by a machine. From the very first stages of the process, incoming hides will need to be inspected. These are both physical and olfactory and require people to do the majority of the work. Unloading them from wagons, moving them around the tannery, the list goes on. In the tanning processes themselves, various operations have a very close contact with the technicians through checking cross-sections of the hides for pH parameters, the as-yet unautomated additions of powdered chemicals to drums, not to mention the need for operatives on all the machines. Moving the material between operations has seen the most automation. In recent years, the visual inspection processes have also been subject to artificial intelligence to improve consistency and throughput but most of these operations still require human input and cannot be carried out from extremely remote locations. In most cases, it will be a control room on site with online assistance should technical problems occur. This then brings in the subject of preventative maintenance and breakdowns. For most tanneries, the in-house engineers can probably tend to the simplest of issues, but anything bigger would require bringing in specialists. Leather is a tactile material, soft, round, buttery, all terms that can be used for leather and all needing the subjective input of being touched and held. Automated processes can go through the motions of making the leather, but ultimately it's the personal interaction that maintains these qualities and checks them off for subsequent processing. I don't think I'm saying anything contentious in that working from home for the vast majority of tanneries just isn't practical and running productions down to limit the workforce would probably be seen as the better option. Excellent. Matt, thank you as always for your technical insight. Thanks, Shari. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Well, that just about wraps things up for this issue of the World Leather Podcast. 
I hope you have found our discussion about some of the effects of the coronavirus on the global leather industry to be interesting. We'll be back with another episode soon. This is Sherry Shallard saying goodbye and thanks for listening. Thank you.